I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, ahoy, and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It will be a lonely voyage without you. Joining me today to discuss Series 3, Episode 2, is the writer, producer, and the co-host of the Brilliant Standard Issue podcast, it's Jen Offord! Hi! Hello, Mrs. Thanks for coming aboard. I am so pleased to be on deck. Please, are you wearing the correct plimsolls? I'm, I'm not, unfortunately. I'm wearing very inappropriate sort of sliders. But you actually go sailing, don't you? You're one of our sailors. I mean, I've been sailing. Uh, my, I grew up... <laughs> Your dad, right? Yeah, I grew up in the not-fictional coastal town of Harwich in Essex. Is it really not? No, I have heard of it. No, I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might have taken a ferry to the Hook of Holland from there once or possibly (laughs) somewhere in Denmark. (laughs) And people had boats. It's just what we did. It was not as posh as Howard's Way. It wasn't like a posh thing, like a status Wasn't a yacht. was actually a yacht, but quite a small one. Oh! A very small yacht. A small yacht. yacht. (laughs) Yeah. A yacht is... I shouldn't really be doing this because I don't know, Julia, I'm making this up, but a yacht is like a type of boat. It's not... It doesn't necessarily mean like Roman Abramovich style. I think there's a specific meaning. I don't know. I think a yacht means something quite specific. It has um, connotations just in people's minds. But you're does, saying technically, yeah. technically, I think you'll find a yacht is simply well, a floating vessel with, uh, with exactly. like people and sails in it. And that. I mean, it's really, I tell people that I used to go horse riding and I used to sail. My dad's got a boat and stuff like that. Yeah, you and it sounds, push. I'm really not. Harwich is an absolute shithole. Um, no offence to anyone from Harwich who might be listening um, it's lovely really it's almost Constable's country in fact but um, yeah it's not posh it's definitely okay, not okay we've established that you're a gutter snipe now let's Thank continue you. with series 3 of Howard's Way so we join episode 2 I feel like the beginning of this series is business heavy like I know Howard's oh, yeah. Way is business but my god there's a lot of business talk this week so we start at the a cheerful beginning at the coroner's court where Jack and Tom are under investigation for the what's it called the one with two hulls jen you're a sailor catamaran that's catamaran, it yeah a catamaran that sunk and killed that guy and they're trying to establish whether it's tom's fault it's been dragging on for months so they're at the coroner's court we just see them go in and then there's this weird 
saxophone flourish but then it becomes clear why there is why the saxophone jen well there's an ominous synth isn't there yeah uh, an ominous synth is what i've written down can i just say i've never seen howard's way before ever this is you're one first... of those people yeah this oh. is the first episode i've ever watched but i have listened to your podcast religiously um which is how <laughs> we're I'm only getting of... fans on this series yeah <laughs> uh, so i'm kind of like up to date apart from mm-hmm. episode one which i haven't seen and obviously the podcast is not available yet so i so there are a few holes here for me but um but i am aware that there was an accident at the end i'm of going to guess two. what with the nature of the dialogue and stuff that you can fill in those holes pretty easily <laughs> with the constant recapping in how they're talking this i series. did it's wonder quite exposition heavy mm. yeah i did wonder where lynn was but then she's gone somewhere i know that i don't know where <laughs> no, no, she's fine her husband died but yes. she's fine yes claude <laughs> who i've never i've never seen i'll have to go oh back. claude you should i mean he's he's a very pretty man had a bit of a weird french ponytail thing going on but uh, the actors still got it i've you I want Malcolm to see Jameson the ponytail. on the internet. Hello. I, I really want to see the ponytail. I've heard so much about it. Mm-hmm. There's a character in its own right. But yeah, there's an ominous synth. And yeah. then there's Tom Howard. And I think, where have I seen this man before? Because I've ah. never seen Howard's Way before. And yet he does look very familiar. So you didn't even know what these people look like no. listening to two series of a podcast, you lunatic. I know. But, you know, it's I, I've done a little bit of research. Okay. But not loads and loads. But then it segues into sexy saxophone to herald the arrival of Ken Masters. <laughs> he's not always accompanied by a sax, but he should be. But in this case, he is. Because he's in his sort of red and grey leather-bound office. I think you've got the hots for Ken Masters on the Look, basis I of... Look, I have not. I mean, you know I have a very dear friendship with Jan from Howard Clay <laughs> now. I wouldn't dream of treading on that territory. <laughs> yeah. Also, I was always a Tom girl. Tom was my... I liked him. And then Charles Freer when I was a bit older. I mean, how old were you? Because Tom is... Oh, I mean, I was like 10 or something. I'm not saying like I wanted to... I mean, I was 10, Jen. Let's he not go there. had an affection for him. I, yes, just, okay. I just think I thought he was kind and had big hands. <laughs> He looks kind. He's a bit... <laughs> Is he kind though? I don't know. But well, Ken he's Masters, a bit of a one. Ken Masters is a lot taller than I thought he'd be, mm. and he looks a lot less like Burnside than I thought. He <laughs> like, from the discussion. a lot less like. I mean, for one thing, he's a lot slimmer. I mean, no yeah. offense to Burnside, Di Burnside, but um, he still looks basically the same. Jan posts the odd picture of him on the on Twitter now and again. He looks exactly the same. Well, she was on EastEnders. All rangy. Oh right, because I, I missed this. It's after I stopped watching, so I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, so she was on EastEnders. And so when I discovered this... She looks amazing in this. Oh, she's like, so She's a good-looking lady. Uh, yeah, she is. So I'm They're glad. Couple. That, I'm glad she's not married to Burnside, basically, because she deserves better. <laughs> I'm sure so is she. She yeah. adores Stephen. <laughs> so we're at the offices of Leisure Cruise now. The dynamic there, you must have picked up the obvious love triangle yeah. between the husband and wife, Mark and Sarah. They've gone into business with Ken, and something's going on with Ken and Sarah. Yeah. So we kind of, sort of visit that firsthand. Um, my favourite bit in this scene was the sales graph <laughs> sales graph sorry i put in brackets like a flaccid penis <laughs> it's not even which... mull of kintyre it's supposed to show their growth over the year not really much growth going on there which is like not a very subtle reference perhaps to the way in which the husband mark, mark, mark Foster, the way yeah. in which mark has been emasculated by the super sexy presence of Ken Master. <laughs> in his lemon v-neck yeah no he basically had his, his todger chopped off on day one Take the um, graph down. No one needs to see it. 
Oh, all right then. <laughs> poor Mark. I mean, really poor Mark, and it gets so much worse. So Ken alphas him in some business way and tells him to, yeah, t- to take his graph down. And then we go to Relton Marine, the exterior, where uh, Avril is welcoming Gerald, who's there to kind of oversee his boss, Charles, is invested in a company she's MD of. So he's come to nosy around and make her feel under pressure. She's going to do a time and motion study. I still yes. don't know what that is. I hope I never know. I hope I never know what that is. Yeah. Time and motion study, business, mm. blah. Um, do you know what a time and motion study is? Just no. Just out of interest, because I don't. Okay, Absolutely I still not. don't want my... I okay. thought it was something to do with boats, because it said motion, but ah. I, I don't know. I think it's just a business, it's a phrase. Business, business, business. Proposals, very impressed, I can assure you, etc. I have no idea what they were saying. So what's she then? Done? I've missed something because she's basically sorry. I've I promised not to do this the whole way through. Otherwise, no, it's, it's going to be nine hours long. But what? <laughs> so what's she done? Because she was working at the boatyard with her dad and Tom, and now she's like in this swanky place with yeah. like, bloody Charles Freer getting involved. Well, I mean, this is what happens in a lot of business. I don't know if you know the world of business, but uh, <laughs> probably not like I do. Um, but <laughs> she was basically director of the boatyard. She helped sell this design of Tom's for the barrack Cuda to Relton Marine who are in the business of being able to mass produce something like this mm. the yard could never do that and then while she was presenting you know the this design to them they were like we're terribly impressed with you do you want to come and work here oh no uh, and so she ended up running the place first of all they offer her like a job as an assistant and now she's literally the boss and her ex-boyfriend Charles Freer has invested heavily in the company basically to get back in her life I think um so now she has to answer to him which is a very uncomfortable sexy dynamic as I'm sure you can imagine well anyway so that's how Avril makes the move from she still says she's kind of a director of the boatyard but she's really got faggle to do with it now she's her her job is to run this multi-million dollar company so then we go to the boatyard where Bill is on the phone and Leo walks in with a cup on his nose yes he does yes he doesn't seem um he doesn't my first thoughts on this were who is this man and what is his accent that's bill <laughs> um it's hard to take him seriously sorry to anyone else he's an old sea dog he has to talk like that to denote his you know he's rooted in the place and the the rigging and he's you know sailors he talk like that don't they he? all do all of them yeah absolutely yeah. so leo doesn't look remotely bothered about the fact that Bill is having to fend off reporters who want to know all about this coroner's inquiry. Exactly. So he resents being left on the phones. Leo doesn't really ever have a marketable skill, but he keeps getting <laughs> jobs for places and then just sort of being in the places and then having the job. But it's never clear what he's actually doing. So yeah, answering the phones, he might as well. Uh, he's told to keep an eye on the phones and then naughty naughty Amanda shows up did you recognise Amanda? I didn't I thought who is this raven haired temptress is what I oh my god down. so did you did you not watch Hello Hello? yes I did he was Maria the waitress the really sexy one you know turns out I'm sorry about the accent but you know they all did those accents she was Maria the tiny diminutive beautiful raven no. waitress she looks exactly the same in fact I think she left Hello Hello to have this part in How's Way I think that's right well ah. I mean I don't I don't want to talk about her decision making um, process <laughs> there but um, I loved Alola she's called Francesca Gonshaw yeah these were like her biggest roles she, she ended up retiring from acting and like I don't know sort of disappearing a bit but uh, yeah why after there. such a career like 
<laughs> I mean, she was on all the big shows of the 80s. It makes no sense at all. Anyway, you may have noticed that Leo did not look happy to see no. her. No, I, I, something must have happened in episode one that I've missed, but there's obviously... She shoved him in a swimming pool. What's the context for this? Was there well, a Well, he was at some kind of like a barbecue pool party thing mm-hmm. in some rich person's garden. And she decided he looked like her cup of tea, sidled over to him, filled his glass up with champagne, even though he didn't want any. So he poured it out on the ground, which is an odd move. Deciding to continue her playfulness, she shoved him in the pool. And then he clambered out of the pool, picked her up and flung her in the pool. And thus was formed, you know, their hot chemistry born of hatred. I don't know. Anyway, she's not giving up is the thing. And no, she's sexually aggressive, I would say. Very. I mean, she's very beautiful, but he doesn't like her. We've established that. Mm. This is not a match made in heaven. She likes him, but he very much doesn't like her. So then, doesn't she then get him to agree to come and pick up a boat from her family's... Yes. Wherever got, it's tied up to get fixed. I've got nautical thoughts on this, but I'll come oh, back to them do. later on when... Really? When we, yeah. You're saving those up. I like yeah. it. You're teasing for later. Mm. Lovely. So then we cut to Gravel Drive. Gravel Drive obviously denotes wealth. It's very long, so it's hugely phallic. And it's the one in front of the baronial mansion owned by... Is this Edward Freer's house or Charles Freer's house? I think it's Edward think Freer's. It's, it's, it's it is, his dad's it? house, yeah. He's gone to see his Highfield. dad. And the butler greets him, Ah, oh, Mr. Charles. <laughs> his name's Charles Freer. That's Mr. Freer. Never mind. Never He's mind. the one who just... Lynn had sex with, isn't he? That's right. He's and he's a lot older cast than her. her aside. Yeah, no. And, and they ended up getting married in real life as well. Did they? Yeah, I they actually did. that statement. Um... Well... <laughs> I mean, she was very young and he, I'm sure he had a bit more experience under his belt than she did. But yes, it was a brief fling. He cast her aside and she nearly died as a result. Anyway, so he goes in and then we cut to the marina where Ken is showing the very Scottish <laughs> Mr. McIntyre <laughs> around the facilities of their company because he's trying to get McIntyre to distribute one of his boats with leisure crews instead of Relton Marine. They're trying to poach him as a customer. And very- so Mark is following Ken around and following Sarah around. Obviously, his severed dick in his hand, he's following him around and does the big business sell there's some very jaunty synth here which is completely incongruous given like what looks like a really really unglamorous scene like (laughs) it looks like any boatyard i've ever been to and junior i've been to a few i don't want to show i bet you have but um (laughs) but it literally looked like any number of weird places i've been to in east anglia as a child yeah and it's always a bit gray it's always yeah it's not sunny it doesn't match the jaunty synth but I liked that they tried. <laughs> Simon May is always good at like trying to conjure the atmosphere of a place, even if the visuals aren't supporting him. And then we cut back to the yard. So this is where Amanda tricks Leo into coming over to her place at six o'clock to meet her where the boats are tied up and we're going to see how this plays out later. We just established that, that she's now basically tricked. She's forced him into having a, yeah. a date with her when he doesn't really want to. Yeah, so that's not very nice, simple. is it? Not at all. And he just looks cross, but ultimately impotent, like all the men in Howard's Way who aren't Ken. <laughs> um, anyway, then we cut back to the mansion where a clock is chiming and Charles is looking at an old photo, presumably of himself as a baby with his mum. I, I thought that, yeah. To. What are we setting up here? There's some beef here, isn't there? There's some bad blood and then there's a very loud I'm going to lean back from the microphone when I do this Charles <laughs> almost knocked me off my chairs it's Nigel Davenport arriving to greet his uh, screen son and he plies father it's all very formal and then there's this weird top shot where we're looking down at them over the railings of the grand entrance hall just watching the tops of their heads as they walk along I'm not quite sure what that was supposed to establish I think the director just liked the way it looked and Charles establishes he won't be staying for lunch then we go to 
All I put here was fashion college. I've got Jan, stylish in chambray, but then I realised I don't think it's actually chambray. Chambray is like that light denim, isn't it? It's billowy. Oh, I think it might yeah. actually have been maybe a bit more synthetic than that. I think you might be right. It probably was expensive because the costume designer lady was all out on the on the designer stuff. But yeah, you can't achieve those shapes with cotton. <laughs> you no, just can't. No. Yeah, <laughs> with architectural looks... angles. But she did look very stylish. Yeah, um, yeah. So Anna Lee, have you met her before now? Has she, no, has she cropped she's up? she's a brand new character. She's very shifty. She's very awkward. She, she seems down on herself. She Jen. really she needs some confidence. She needs some mentoring quite badly. She's, this is, <laughs> I wonder if anyone could it's do that. It's a terrible so. way to go about getting a job. She's basically <laughs> offered a job and she goes, what, me? No, go away. Oh, no. Can I see your portfolio? Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> and she knows this woman's coming and what she's coming for. I like the way they denote that she is fashion, but young and college and studenty because she's got a side pony yes. and an oversized Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. Yeah. I enjoyed her styling in this scene. And a, a very lot. textured fringe, I noted. <laughs> very much mm. so. Yeah, she peers nervously out from under. Then we cut to Perry Plus, Jan's boutique. Kate is once again, as she seems to spend all of her time doing now, tending to Polly as she spends all of Gerald's money on more billowy frocks for things that she's not going to go to. Did you say it was called Perry Plus? Yes. Now, the name of this boutique has long confused me. I don't think it's ever explained why they call it that, but it sounds like a shop for perimenopausal plus-size women. (laughs) Perry Plus. It definitely has some sort of, like, I don't know, vitamin supplement connotations (laughs) It really does. Yeah. Well, woman with Perry Plus. Yeah. Yes, I have no idea what the thinking was. I'd love someone to tell me. Maybe we're going to try and get Jan back. Maybe she'll have an insight into that, because I'm pretty sure that we've never discussed why it's called that before on the podcast. Anyway, so Kate is doing reverse psychology selling on Polly saying, do you really need that second dress? I feel like they're building up to something here. Go on, what do you think? What are your suspicions? Well, I mean, it's sort of explained a little bit later on in the episode, so I don't want to like, you know, no spoilers. But I do think prior to seeing the rest of the episode, I did think they are alluding to some sort of spending problems. I think so. I mean, I I don't know if they ever analyse it any further than that she's just really bored, so she's spending shitloads of cash. Mm. I don't know if they really go into psychology of it that much. Maybe they would now. Now she'd be called a shopaholic and they'd get her some help or get her into the Priory or something. But yeah, Kate notices that she might not be very happy and she's a kind woman. She's quite maternal towards her. So um, she just tells us she's there if she ever needs to talk, which I thought was very sweet. I love Dulcie Gray. I want her to be my mum, like really a lot. But she's no longer with us, so that's not possible. Then we go back to the yard where Bill and Leo are discussing Amanda. Bill's basically going, but she's fit. And Leo's like, but she's mad. That's kind of that. There's so much emasculation of of 80s men in this show. And Leo's being annoyed again that he has to do admin because he can't type. And they talk about the fact they can't afford to get a woman in to Mm. do it. Otherwise, obviously, that would be the solution. It's just so weird watching this sort of like, you want me to type? You might as well. Well, hand me my penis on a dish. Why don't you? (laughs) It's quite depressing. Yeah, I haven't. By this stage, I've not really warmed to Leo, to be honest. He's a bit This is awful because it happens every series that no one really seems to like him. So, like, sulky and wet. Yeah, I'm afraid he is. And that's, you know, that's just how he was written. Occasionally he gets to get a bit sort of, you know, what's the word, tizzed up about something, but it doesn't seem to last very long. He's too chill. He was an animal rights activist, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very political. Although he did wear a leather jacket, which always confused me, and ride a motorbike, even though he cares about the environment. But no, that aside, I mean, he does throw this woman in the swimming pool. I guess that shows some moxie, doesn't it? He he seems to have little bursts of it. And then that's why why we always talk about him on this podcast as a character with, you know, there's a simmering anger under 
under there somewhere yeah. that's that's not being explored sufficiently. And one day that might suddenly erupt in, in frightening ways. I wonder if it will. Then Tom and Jack arrive back looking very downcast. Mm. And for a minute you think, oh, they're going to do one of those fake things. They've done it before, whether like, they've been to like a big thing and then they've come back and it's like, ah, I got you. It went really well. It's not our fault that... he's dead. <laughs> it didn't... That didn't happen this time. Woo! Crack open the coffee. No, they said it went bloody awful at the coroner's court. They recorded an open verdict and that means the further investigation is going to have to be carried out, and which means that there's a besmirch on their reputation, which could impact them in all sorts of ways. Now, is that bloody awful or would it be worse if they just said, look straight up, it's your fault, sorry? Yes, yes, no, that would have been worse. You murdered that man by hitting him over there with a catamaran and you shall go to prison. Now, I think it's it's the worst outcome. They were hoping they were hoping not to have any more deliberation over it because it does mean serious problems for them. They yeah. had the boat show last week, Jen. They were at the boat show with this hanging over them. Can you imagine that? Oh, I guess they couldn't no show one. their faces at the boat show with this hanging over them. No one wants to buy a catamaran off some potential murderers, do they? <laughs> well, I mean, you're quite right. So back at Fashion College, Anna is hovering in the stairwell and wondering if Jan's finished looking at it. So they have this weird arrangement where Jan went to sit in reception next to the vending mm. machine to look at her portfolio because she didn't want to do it in front of her. Rubbish Anna is too <laughs> scared. hates herself. To... Yeah. She's got problems, but as you say, she needs a mentor and who could that possibly be? I don't know. I just don't know. It becomes apparent she's got an oppressive Chinese father. Yes, Introducing some cultural tension here is what exactly <laughs> because Jan it's so is not Chinese. <laughs> no, she would not understand. No, exactly. And she says, if you were Chinese, I wouldn't have to explain. But you know, no, nothing's really clarified. But it seems to be that she's sort of being sold into the family business. She hasn't got any choice. And Jan's offering her a way out. It's like, mm. will she take it? Will she not take it? I'm, th- I'm going to guess she's going to take I'm, it. I, but just because I think she's a recurring character for a while. Anyway, yeah. I seem to remember she becomes friends with Leo. Oh, God. Of course she does. Of I know, I'm sorry. Oh, just, yeah. <laughs> then we're back, <laughs> back at Highfield Mansion. Again, there's lots of scenes where someone says, if they're ever at a really posh stately home, the apparent owner of said stately home will suddenly say, standing outside it suddenly, uh, why don't we have coffee in the garden? garden which i think means we don't have use of the interiors today <laughs> i think they're showing the public round so um yeah charles and sir edward his father have coffee in the garden and there's talk of succession and sir edward's maybe suggesting that charles come and work for him again because you know he needs to pass the business on to somebody but charles suspects his motives aren't entirely yeah lovely the uh, the root of it appears to be that basically he would be competing against him in business stuff yeah and he doesn't he doesn't want that because he obviously thinks charles could could have him basically pretty successful businessman he's basically keeping his enemies closer is what we're saying here jen and uh, my favorite interchange is so they have this in a quite terse you know when someone brings coffee and they have one sip it's like well that's me i've had all the coffee i can possibly drink thank you charles brings things to a close pretty quickly when he realizes that his dad is trying to somehow finagle him back into the family firm and he makes his excuses and leaves and they kind of mutter goodbyes to each other as Charles is retreating back and Sir Edward just says as a passing shot with a very sort of tense jaw keep in touch but he he doesn't mean it in a nice way I'm pretty bloody sure no that man's horrible obviously he's trouble he's trouble he's hot trouble bad dad bad father and maybe that's why Charles is not very nice they do think about the emotional backgrounds of these Mm. characters Anna Lee may seem like a bit of an odd bod but clearly she's been oppressed by her cruel Chinese father (laughs) and that's why she can't express herself apart from in her fashion drawings that's a rounded character Jen that's not lazy piecing together of a personality and the same with Charles 
Charles, he's a mean-spirited, cold, young man because he was sent away to boarding school yeah. by a dad who didn't love him and cheated a lot on his mum and then his mum died. Yeah. So, you know, what would you do? You'd probably be travelling around the Solon on a sex yacht trying to <laughs> shag the pain away. That's what you'd do. Exactly. <laughs> I can't blame him. I feel like I, I feel some sympathy for Charles now. Yeah, no, finally. see, so do I. I want to give him a special cuddle. No, I don't. No, I don't. That's not right. That's wrong. Um, then we got to a restaurant. And now, this restaurant is my favourite bit. <laughs> Go on, what did you like about this? And oh, I'll tell you what I like. Everything. Liked First of all, they sit down. Sorry, it's Jan and Tom. They've yeah. got to talk about things. And first of all, he's like, what would you like to drink? Oh, I think I have half a lager. Which seems <laughs> so... <laughs> like, that is not a Jan drink. Like, so out of place. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, you know, should we order or whatever? And he says he's ordered their favourite. Ooh, chicken tikka with dal. <laughs> he knows how to spoil a lady. Why have they split up? They know each other so well. They care for each other so much. I know. He's just got them and there's a favorite. lot of arm touching and hand touching. And then it becomes apparent. Tom goes around literally from scene to scene telling people about how the coroner's recorded an open verdict on this dead guy. It's like he's just, he's got one thing on his mind this week. But um, they are essentially meeting to discuss winding up their marriage yeah. like over finito. But they're doing it in such an affectionate way. But my favourite thing is whenever they film a restaurants and bars. They, you know that Acorn Antiques thing of starting with like a tray of drinks close to the camera <laughs> and then you're sort of following the drinks to the table. This time they start with like a waiter's doing something silver servicey with a dish but it's the foley they've done it is really squelchy so it's just like a dish close up to the camera and squelching. <laughs> I loved it. And then and then we kind of follow it <laughs> through the foreground to, to Jan and Tom. Yeah, they're being so tactile and he orders our favourite, you know, he's being so mm. kind of togethery and coupley. There's even some like romance music I think at one point when she it's apparently he's ordered her favorite their favorite food and then but they do chuck in the tidbit that there's been a letter home from lynn and she's fine which is how i knew she'd gone somewhere else yeah thank uh, you and she that went she great. went away you know the last episode last series her husband was mown down by a speedboat she was covered in his blood he's dead She's distraught. She's just popped off to, I think it's somewhere in the Mediterranean to teach sailing for a bit, to, you know, get her head together. And she's fine. Does she's she fine. Her husband's just died. She does come back, but quite a long way into okay. the show. I think from what I remember Jan Harvey saying, Tracy Childs got an offer of a movie. Obviously, this oh. really shot her profile oh. up. And she was a bit torn about it, but she decided to try and pursue other jobs. And then I think the movie fell through and then other stuff happened. And she... So I think, she, yeah, she does come back nearer the end of the whole show. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Sure, I can remember her with some kind of big power bob, looking a bit like Vince Barber, just being like sassy as fuck. Yeah, no, no, she, she's definitely back at some stage. You know, I haven't let myself watch the very last series of this since I started rewatching because it's just the idea of it being over is just I'm not ready for it to be over. I can I can understand that. That's how I felt. I mean, this is quite a different thing. I, I don't want to shame you, Julia, but this is how I felt about the O.J. Simpson documentary. I didn't oh, want it to no. ever end. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? Especially with someone's real life. But oh my God, there are some things just, no, they mustn't end. This must never end. I'm thinking I probably won't ever watch the last episode again because I could genuinely can't remember what happens. And it would just be like, it would be too much just to have it gone from my life forever. <laughs> I don't think I could cope. Well, I think I should get some therapy about that. Okay, so now um, so that we leave them having their happy conjugal divorce discussion. Yep. And we go for the first time this series to the Jolly Sailor Pub. Hurrah! Oh, okay. Briefly in the Jolly Sailor, Ken has now brought the very Scottish Mr. McIntyre indoors 
after showing him around the cold. Oh no, yeah, I did see that. Sorry. Yeah, it's very, it's a very brief, and there's more business. I mean, you would have, it would have just been ambient to you because someone said something about today's market, and you know, my shutters came down. But you know, it was nice <laughs> to see the pub. I hadn't seen it for a while. I've been to that pub. It's lovely. I mean, obviously the inside is a studio set, but the actual pub is delightful. You must go sometime. Hello, I'm Justin. And I'm Lucy. And together we are the hosts of Plenty Questions. It's a very straightforward general knowledge quiz. We ask you 20 questions, one after the other, five second gap in between, and you shout the answers out. And then you tweet us to let us know how you've got on. See if you can get 20 out of 20. No one has so far, but that's because we haven't started doing it yet. Mm, But we will. Uh, And there's also going to be some fiendish brain teasers, so join us for Plenty Plenty Questions. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yes, go on. So she's showing a decorator around her house because she wants to spend even more money. Yeah, because she's bored, I think, is is what we're now getting at, as you said. Mm -hmm. But um, she's told it's not a man's world anymore, so there's hope for us all. (gasps) She's being radicalised by her Mm. friendly decorator. (laughs) (laughs) She'll be burning her bra next. What the bloody hell is she doing? Yes, this is Sandra, the right-on bra-burning feminist uh, interior designer who's talking about sort of, you know, breaking free of the the shackles of marriage Mm. and going and earning her own money. And Polly's, basically, Polly had this horrible, spiteful relationship with her daughter, who's now gone to America, Abby. Mm. Literally now, instead of being a traditional empty nester, she's just got, she's got no one to pick on now. (laughs) So this is her tragedy. She's no no longer got anyone to henpeck because Gerald's too busy to be henpecked. So um, she needs to find something to refill the void in her life left by the horrible, spiteful interaction she used to have with her daughter. So this is clearly the beginnings of Holly thinking, I mean, I don't know how seriously, but thinking about, well, maybe a job. I mean, obviously she doesn't mm-hmm. want a job, but she's got fuck all else to do. Like she might as well. I think last episode, Gerald told her to get a nice little charity job or something, but you know, she doesn't well, care about other people. So keep her busy, wouldn't it? It would for a bit. Although it's quite interesting. She does look like a hard woman. She doesn't look like a sympathetic character. 
And that no. might be because I've listened to the podcast and I've formed my own opinion. But yeah, she doesn't. she's not striking me as a very sympathetic character. But I thought it was quite interesting, Julia, that they referenced mm. it not being a man's world anymore. Uh, because obviously the Jan storyline, as you've pointed out previously, you know, she's gone from being... I think they mention it, actually. Look at Jan Howard. <laughs> Look at what she's done. Um, yes. She is a gal about town. Yes, she is. She's got her own done. cash. She noticeably gets better and better cars as the series goes on because she's making her own dough and she's oh, spending good. it on white VWs god damn it and you don't try and stop her like a yeah. sort of Beyonce of the 90s of the <laughs> 80s yeah <laughs> definitely definitely yeah no the women are doing it for themselves in this series this is there was genuinely quite a lot of well I suppose in the characters of Avril and Jan to a certain extent and there, there are other characters brought in later on I think it's something like series four or series five Laura Wilde Kate O'Mara's character turns up and she's just like, well, she's sex and business at the same time. She's amazing. Wow. There's quite a lot of that 80s thrusting style of feminism that, you know, it's a problematic, but at least they're, they're earning like, their own money. Lynn sailed to America on her own. He bloody well did, yeah. What's Polly's daughter called? Oh, Abby. Yeah, Abby. Abby. Gave away her baby, you know. <laughs> For money. Yeah, which she didn't take. You know. <laughs> she's like a shit baby farmer. You're supposed to get the money before you hand over Yeah, the, that's, yeah. that's an error. But like, you know, yeah. they're all doing their thing. Thing. Giving away babies, sailing to filthy America. capitalists. Yes, exactly. Anyway, we'll leave Polly yeah. there being radicalised and go back to Charles's house where he's on the phone saying business, business into a receiver. And then Gerald arrives. He reports back that Relton Marine looks like a good prospect. His investment is probably safe. And then Gerald says, What's Sir Edward doing back here? And Charles replies, Business. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know the businessman was doing the business. Like, my God, come on, think of a different word. Commerce, enterprise, stop saying business. business. Anyway, Gerald is instructed to cancel dinner with Polly. That's not going to make her happy. He needs to have dinner with Viscount Cunningham. Yeah, I thought it was uh, Councillor Davis and Viscount Cunningham. I thought, well, that's, that's right. two quite different people in the chain of importance, isn't it? Like, but <laughs> Depends you've... if he's a councillor with, with a view. I think he's makes planning decisions that's quite an okay okay fair enough we, I just thought to Greece. you've really covered all the uh, political bases there well done. <laughs> he's just he's just manoeuvring people like chess pieces Jen doesn't care <laughs> but yeah so Viscount Cunningham we, I don't think we meet Viscount Cunningham but he's clearly an influential man in the mm. local area and uh, and we'll obviously know what Sir Edward's up to back at Relton Marine Tom tells Avril about the open verdict at the coroner's court because, you know, <laughs> he needs to tell someone. Uh, and Avril agrees, even though she's a busy businesswoman who's got loads of business to do and she's just moved into a waterside apartment and she's surrounded by packing boxes. Mm. She agrees to cook Tom dinner because she's the woman, obviously. Tom couldn't do that for her, clearly. Anyway, she agrees to meet him for dinner later and that's not going to go well. Then back at Periplus, the boutique for bloated older women um I, I speak as one i'm not slagging them off i am one um kate picks up the trim phone and, and she decides to call jack because she understands apparently there was an open verdict at the coroner's court Jen, and that heard. might have adversely affected her friend jack mm. who is thus far a recovering alcoholic mm. really shouldn't drink so she phones him and, and we find him uh, in the boatyard in his office staring at a half drunk bottle of whiskey we're not sure if he's drunk it today or he's thinking about drinking it I don't um, think he had. I think he was thinking about no. drinking it. Yeah, he was weighing up the the idea of it. And she talks to him and tries to probe him on you know, how he's feeling and if he's okay. And eventually, you know, sort of, you know, nags him about, you wouldn't be thinking about picking up a bottle. He's like, no, of course not. And he, he gets off the phone <laughs> and then says to no one, bossy bloody woman, what does she take me for? 
I love this. Then, but then his eyes turns to the call of the bottle, the siren call. <laughs> I, I love this. He's literally got a bottle of whiskey in front of him. Yeah. She calls. He says, what do you take me for? I don't know, a man with a bottle of whiskey in front of him. She and he right. says, I'm on the wagon for good. And there is some ominous keys and sacks again. Yeah. But the sack segues into what I'm calling the sacks of hope. It is. Because it's the sack that it's like a coffee advert because he goes to the coffee machine instead of the bottle. Yeah. I thought he was going to pick the bottle up and tip it down the sink like they That's do on television. That's I thought, yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for that trope yeah. and it didn't happen. But yeah, he just puts it down back in the filing cabinet, goes over to the 1980s coffee machine. We've got one of those, by the way. They're ace. I, I still insist on making making coffee like I'm in an 80s coffee commercial. I, they have them in centre parks still. Oh, lovely. Parks, they still have one Smashing. of those. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good tip thanks for that okay, have to take your year. own filters though just fyi oh no bit, that is that is an important right yeah. okay they so might have one or two filters. but basically they want to sort of lure you in so then you have to go and buy really expensive ones from the park market from their bloody it. shop yes no um so the saxophone seems to denote coffee i think those two things do go together gold blend think of the mm-hmm. gold you know the, yeah. the, the, the association between mm-hmm. coffee and saxophones <laughs> in advertising yes it was an odd moment for saxophone but you're right it did denote no maybe there's a brighter tomorrow maybe he won't wake up with a hangover and then we go back to polly who's playing scales in a kind of rather bored and angry way on her piano just up and down the scales she's wearing a fabulous purple sort of chiffony backless evening gown drowned in peacock i've written lovely oh that's lovely and she has sort of general kind of peacock vibes she's a bit like like she the does. cluedo character she's done her hair yes! in a similar way she really does look like what's her name mrs peacock <laughs> mrs peacock that's the one yeah. <laughs> yeah and she's got that big sheen on that's a wardy and hairdo that was yeah in the, in the 1880s um then, <laughs> so she's sitting there and the phone starts to ring and she's almost trying to drown out the phone with playing of the piano until she decides she must pick up the phone. Mm. But she kind of already knows what it is. It's clearly happened many times before. She and her husband have a dinner date that night, which is curious because I guess she just wants company. But they have this weird lavender marriage. He goes off and has another life and they're just yeah. married in name only. But, I mean, you know, I've written down a bit later on, but that that she's fundamentally misunderstood the remit of their marriage. She has misunderstood. So she is reluctantly then drags herself over to the phone, picks up hears that gerald won't be joining her for dinner says something pretty rude one about i guess your business is more important than our marriage which again misunderstands the contract she signed yeah nevertheless and then she angrily slams the lid of the piano down and prances off she is not happy you're right she is she i I bet she was like be the peacock be the peacock for the whole scene because that's very much how just like came across maybe she says this later on but like what what do we have in our marriage like she she sort of alludes to like problems in their marriage like dude he's gay there are definitely problems (laughs) in your marriage like Like major ones huge (laughs) ones back at the marina amanda and leo meet and then she does that weird thing where they're kind of walking down that pontoon bit yeah pointing at the boats like oh and he's like which one's your boat and then she stops at one and kind of leans on it coquettishly and mm. says, is this your family's boat? And she just goes, no. <laughs> she's really, really odd she and so annoying. Wild. She's yeah, out of she's control. Just, she is very much, and I would venture, a crazy, kooky girl written by a man. Definitely. No. Crazy for crazy's sake. They have no real What do real they call them? There's a, there's a trope. It's a trope, Manic isn't it? Manic pixie dream Yeah, girls. that's it. Yeah. 
He's effectively yes. an early example of one of those. So Amanda is clearly up to no good, but she takes him to the boat that Leo's supposed to bring to the yard for... There, there was some technical thing they needed to do to the hull. Debarnacling, is it or something? I don't know. I, I wasn't really sure what she said about that, but he has to take it to the yard for something. Now, here's my nautical point. Oh, yes, please. When they're having the discussion, I suppose this would... Where are they? Are they on the, on a river or are they on the coast? I think they're... I don't know. Like, cause, um, she says later on something about the Hamble estuary. So they're obviously just at one of those little inlets somewhere just up a... Yeah, probably which up probably river. tidal, Julia, which brings me to my nautical point. Oh, uh, this is great. Has anyone thought about the tides? So when he's like, what time do you want me to do it? She's gone, oh, actually, I think like six o'clock would be better. You've not checked the fucking tides, have you? No, you Caution, haven't. Does she look like someone who's even got one of those pieces of paper with the times of the tides on it? Is it going to be high tide? Is it going to be low tide? That <laughs> shit matters in sailing. Let me You're tell you, right. we've come a cropper more than once. Thank God you were here. This is going to end in disaster. <laughs> so so somehow, magically, the tides are in her favour. We yep. leave them wandering off down the gangplank. And then back at the Howard's house, Kate is setting the table. She's recently moved in with her daughter because she had to sell her cottage to pay her gambling debts because she's got problems mm. with the fluttering. So, um, yeah, she had to sell her beloved cottage and is now basically wanting to pay her way living with her daughter. So she's sort of almost turned housekeeper, which is clearly slightly awkward. But they have such a nice relationship that they kind of just rub along really well, those two. And the actresses in real life are friends. It's so I love watching those two whenever they're on screen. It's just really nice. I've recently listened to your episode with Jan. Oh, Jan Harvey, is that her real yes, name? Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. Uh, she was obviously very emotional when she was talking about oh, Darcy Gray. It was lovely. Just I think they had a properly lovely yeah. friendship and just absolutely, oh, I'm envious I didn't get to go for a cocktail with both of them because I think she sounded like quite the goer, Darcy Gray. She had, wow. I mean, you heard that episode. So then we go to the yacht at sea. Amanda is basking on the deck in her white jeans with She's her face turned towards the sun. Absolutely wild. And Leo's like, oh, this woman's crazy. And then he tells her to take over the tiller. Have I used the correct term there, Jen? Um, I think it's, is it a rudder? Oh, yeah, no, go on. We'll oh, say I don't rudder. know, That's much actually. better. Wear your expertise boldly. I don't mind. I, I need to learn. Um, <laughs> and because she's crazy, she then yeah. takes hold of the rudder. And then she turns them completely in another direction, almost causing Leo to topple off the deck because the boat tips. And she says, I'm taking you to Sherborg because she's crazy. Sherborg, I ask you. She doesn't Um, come across like Manic Pixie Dream Girl, though. She does come across as just actually like a bit unhinged. A bit evil. (laughs) Like, like, she'd kill you. Yeah. She'd push you over the side and sail away going, (laughs) what's for dinner? Yeah. Yeah. So we leave them, Leo, probably in mortal peril for the first time in his life. Normally it's him, we assume, is going to kill somebody. But I think this time, possibly the tables have turned. Mm. So then we go back to Avril's new waterfront apartment. And she's there basically to massage Tom's ego because he's obviously still talking about the open verdict of the coroner's court. <laughs> still. I, I get the impression she's already cooked him dinner. It's been a big day. He probably wants yeah, to no, talk about it, you know. Big day. Lunches, dinner. Everyone has lunches, dinners. Mm. Everyone's got engagements all the time. Uh, so she tells him he's a great designer. Eventually, he'll be exonerated. Don't worry, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he kind of asks about her loyalty to the yard now that she's at Relton. And then he finds a photograph in one of her packing boxes of her with Charles Freer. Mm. So, now, I misremembered in the first episode of this podcast, this series, I thought they'd already officially split up Avril and Tom, but it turns out this is just the death throes of were their... Were they ever officially together? I mean, I don't know if they had, like, the conversation, but they were sort of doing it for They definitely ages. nobbed, but... Yeah, they, they nobbed. That's yeah. why his marriage died, yeah. effectively. They kept on sort of having nice dinners in squelchy restaurants for a bit, and then I think it was assumed they were just a going concern. 
Okay. I thought they'd split up last series. Turns out this is it. This is the end for them. The love has gone. And he does a very awkward two-fingered chin lift. <laughs> he does. It goes on for too long. <laughs> it's a bit weird. It's like, did, that, did it slow down? Has time slowed down? It's Ooh. slightly uncomfortable. Is it over? And then she's like, she gives him a kiss on the cheek. Which felt very conciliatory, but sort of, yes, it's over. So she does it very kindly and gently. And, it's, and it feels mutual and sort of like not, to I mean I think he'll be sadder than she will be yeah she's clearly already got the hots for the bad boy again yeah. so you know it's only a matter of time he could go back to Jan now he could and that's kind of you know what I thought they were setting up with the romantic divorce chat they were yeah. having earlier but yeah I don't think that actually happened in the end anyway spoilers uh, so back on the yacht Amanda's now lying on Leo he's trapped with her on a boat he's got nowhere to go he doesn't look that comfortable and then the police in a police oh. boat pull them over <laughs> like yeah. literally the full blues and twos and uh, uh, they sort of on a loud hailer aren't they telling them I don't know how you pull a boat over in the sea like pull over to that bit of water there yeah. and it turns out obviously that's not Amanda's family's boat at all and she's just picked one at random and said let's take that one that's because she's wild she's absolutely she's... wild and then back at the Jolly Sailor Jack sure enough has accepted Bill's offer to go to the pub and he's shitted like he's absolutely <laughs> off his chump and he's drinking small whiskies from like those tiny wine glasses they used to serve small whiskies in even even for Bill, this is he's like, well, just one more. I've really got to go. He's always going back home to, I think it's Daisy, his never seen wife. Mm. You never see her. And he's, he's quite disparaging about Bill's wife as well. He's a bit like, yeah, tell him yeah. to work late. Yeah, he's not really in the mood to play with him. So he did drag him down the pub. And I'm pretty sure Bill knows that Jack's not been drinking because obviously they haven't been going to the pub. So it's a bit irresponsible of Bill. But yeah, anyway, he makes that's reference happened. to it as well. He says, like, are we going down the shitter, basically? The <laughs> yes. business. He says it because yeah. usually when you're this drunk, it doesn't bode well. Yes, exactly. Back at the Urquhart's, Polly is alone with a crystal goblet of wine. She's let her hair um, down. She, that, that Edwardian thing was clearly yeah. giving her a headache. So that's <laughs> come down. And then Gerald arrives back, you know, obviously a bit cap in hand. He's very sorry. Pours himself a massive whiskey. Just but Gerald is so sorry. He just is all the time, isn't he? He's not that so sorry. sorry. He tells her she's not a priority. But then again, like, <laughs> Actually, they do yes, have a does. sham marriage. So like, <laughs> I guess she Why would she be? But then he says he had to have dinner with Lord Cunningham. Now, who is it? Is it Lord Cunningham or is it Viscount Cunningham? Or is that the same? Is that an honorific that applies to... Is that... I don't know. What's the protocol here? I think those are different things. I think he cocked up that take and they didn't notice in continuity and they just left it in. I think the Viscount is a... It's a minty chocolate biscuit. Is is it a foreign thing? A Vicomte. Do we we have Viscounts other than the biscuit variety? Or is that like a European Lord? I don't know. I think we do have Viscounts in this country but Gerald says he's under a lot of business pressures Mm. right now Polly says that it's all right for you with your business pressures I have nothing it's not a very good script this episode I'm sorry I'm going to say that I love this show but this script is letting the show down Gerald then hints at other problems Mm. but won't discuss them no I mean she knows he's gay right there's probably something yeah there's some boy trouble clearly but he's unwilling to talk about it so they kind of reach an impasse where he won't talk they have nothing to kind of build on do they now they've got no daughter to worry about. She's upset Not even about, his daughter. about the state of their sham marriage. So, uh... <laughs> And then we cut to the car where Tom and Jack are en route to the bank. Someone's always going to the bank to try and secure finances for something. I think it's just a general, we need to go and talk to the bank because we're in the shit and we need to be tidied over mm. uh, financially. 
that never ends well. And then back at the yard, Leo is just <laughs> laughing, telling Bill the story of how crazy Amanda made him steal a boat and nearly got him arrested. But luckily it belonged to a friend of her family's, so uh, no charges were brought. But, you know, he doesn't seem to be quite as hostile about her now. He's kind of laughing about behaviour that he formerly found abhorrent. I'd say, judging by his face in the last episode. Hmm. And then he says, what shall I do then? Because there's nothing to do. Design a boat. And then he sits down at a big drawing pad and he draws a shit boat. (laughs) It's deliberately facetious and I didn't like it at all. I did not like the cut of his jib, if you will. No, well, quite so. Then we shoot over to Leisure Cruise and Sarah sees Jan arrive and without acknowledging her, she goes right up to Ken's office. Sarah looks a little bit, hmm. And she talks to Mark briefly, doesn't she? Like, basically, like he's a lackey. Like, when you finish that, go and do that. It's all a bit, oh dear. Still not allowed to have his penis back then. He doesn't Um, like the way that Ken Mark looks at her that's right he at least does say that yeah but you know the way he looks at you (laughs) yeah and he doesn't he point a wrench at her when he says it as well (laughs) to sort of punctuate his don't like the way he looks at you but you know he still effectively has to point a wrench at her because he can't point his penis at her he doesn't have one it's been taken Um, off the wall by ken masters Um, (laughs) it has literally been taken off the wall uh then we we go upstairs interior of leisure cruise offices where ken is reclining on a sofa in a lemon v-neck and white slacks he looks like a greek god he really (laughs) does he just looks amazing yes he does In, in in 80s terms he absolutely does you can't get sexier than that you literally can't and then he and jan have this slightly tense conversation where you may be aware by now that the on-screen couple have stopped doing it. Mm. But off-screen, I think they're very much now doing doing it. it. He's still invested in her boutique. She basically wants him out. She wants to run the show herself. She wants a chain of boutiques. He's not going to give up that easily, I don't think. No, because he obviously still wants a piece of her, doesn't he? He still loves her. She's the only woman that Ken's ever actually really said, no, I think I actually love you. Like, actually. Sarah's just a distraction. He's just reverted to type because Jan said, no, I'm not having you beat up my son. Yeah, exactly, which seems like a reasonable request in the circumstances, but, you know. Get out of town. And he's only chasing Sarah when Sarah makes herself unavailable. Sarah understands the game. When she says, oh, no, I really can't, I'm married, that's when Ken's interested. And then when she's like, here he is on a plate, he sort of toys with her. Yeah, you're right, he's just playing. He's playing cat and mouse. I did like Jan taking, she was quite assertive, and she Mm. said, it's more a question of what I can do for you, Ken. But she didn't say it in a sexy way. It's a really good performance because their interactions were always laced with flirtation. And now, bearing in mind that she actually probably does really want to jump on the sofa with him she's just keeping it very platonic very like this is business now but she's keen to take the upper hand in terms of their business relationship and he's not going to give up without a fight then we go back out to the exterior where mark is just fixing a boat i think that's that's all he does now until his particular <laughs> exit from the show fixes boats occasionally drives them he drives speed boats which are very much the phallic penis replacement for yep waterbound men if they can't drive sports cars they can drive those long thin pointy speedboats that's yeah. what he does you see it's all been thought about i love that sarah presses him to say what's wrong because he seems distracted then he says that man's looking at you funny i don't like it it's about the only time he vocalizes that he's aware that someone is basically trying to cuckold him back inside jan is trying to type the business thing and ken says that he likes her drive and ambition and clearly he's saying that in a and i want it now on the sofa but she's just like business thing now ken 
He's not going to agree to sell his shares. Briefly, then Sarah comes in and she and Jan kind of have a little face off. Yeah, it's not comfortable. There's definitely a bit of jealousy there, I think, from Sarah. And she, when when Jan goes, she's like, why are you seeing her? So she's clearly not happy that Ken is using Jan to make her jealous. And he definitely does. I think Ken is going to lose interest very <laughs> quickly if she continues with that kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He uses Jan as leverage and then says to Sarah, well, if you're so jealous, put your money where your mouth is. And she's like, Mark's doing a race this weekend. So clearly <laughs> setting up an assignation. But curiously, no saxophone. At that point, Simon May, surely... Perfect. You come in with the big saxophone. Yeah. You slide it on in there. It would it would have been a neat fit, I'm just saying. The situation was but absolutely apparently, ripe for a saxophone. It's perfect. Back at the yard, Tom and Jack are in a state of high dudgeon because the banks clearly told them to pull their socks up and sort out their overdraft and they're not having any more money. And uh, Tom's talking about redundancies. Jack's saying, not on my bloody watch. And then Tom fires his own son <laughs> completely coldly and without any kind of apologies. Like, last in, first out. So that's you off then. <laughs> Leo's like, Fair enough. Just useless. Then back at Charles Frere's house, um, he's dictating a memo. He's essentially telling Avril her ex-lover's design. Can it take it off the market? We're not doing it. He's seen in the paper that there was an open verdict to the coroner's court, Jen. I don't know if you were aware of that. Yeah. Uh, but mm. there was and that's made it into the local press and he's just like mm, don't like this stain on the reputation of a company I've invested in so I'm pulling it's a bad look design. for us yeah mm. that is going to really upset Tom and yeah. probably have bad repercussions for the yard and obviously it, it puts Avril in a terrible position oh the fallout from this is I mean in, in some ways I wish you were doing next episode because you know that's probably going to be great sorry um, <laughs> so bad things are going to happen but they haven't happened yet Gerald cites his domestic crisis he apologises to Charles for being late because his marriage is falling apart you know the one that he doesn't really the have sham marriage yep um, and Ch- no, no one knows more about that than Charles because Charles literally had to father Gerald's child for him what with Gerald not liking to put his stuff anywhere near a lady or her area then Charles reiterates that he still wants to find out exactly what his father is up to mm. close up on Charles and then it kind of segues into baronial strings the back of Sir Edward's head he's admiring an old master and kind of moving his head around as if he's taking the painting in or every last bit of it but it's like <laughs> it's back of head acting it's very hard to see what he's doing and then we sort of follow him to the window it's sunny he looks down his phallic driveway his very long shaft of a driveway <laughs> and then bang titles da, 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 da. so clearly it's just setting up bad shenanigans between father and son I like the music a lot it's great isn't it because this is the they've yeah. reverted to series one you probably heard me bang on about this before series one these are the closing titles and then in series two they went to the the Marty Webb single mm, yeah. which is lovely but it just didn't always work as a kind of way out of a, a high energy moment so I'm really glad Barracuda's back because I think it just works very very well so this is the first episode of How It's Way you've ever seen what yeah. did you think? I wanted to talk about the opening credits for a start mm. and obviously the font they use is questionable yeah I know and I, don't, I can't remember if they changed that or not but when you call up the, the How It's Way titles on YouTube there are different fonts so I think that somebody who knows more about this than me my husband for example he's a font geek will probably be able to identify the exact fonts and yeah I think they I think they changed after series one perhaps but it still does look a bit like a holiday camp or a I feel like it's not really again incongruous with the sort of glamorous situation but maybe it lowered your expectations to the point where actually you were quite delighted and surprised by the high production values <laughs> the design <laughs> I think like in general there's quite a lot of incongruous things going on in Howard's way 
the music is never really fitting with the ambiance of There were some scene. odd choices this episode, I will say. He does go, Simon May does go off map occasionally. I, I mean, that... I liked it though. I thought, you know, yeah. he, he does a good job. <sighs> what to say, Julia? I don't know. Do you think you're going to watch any more or are you just going to listen to the recaps instead? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm definitely going to continue to listen to the podcast. Sweet, thank you. Will I watch any more? I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, Come I'm. I'm what else fully... are you going to do? You're in lockdown. Nothing I know, to do. And I'm heavily pregnant, so. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Congrats. Oh yeah, thanks. Uh, so I'm going to have some time on my hands. Am I? I don't know. Possibly not. Actually, yes, you are. When I was in your position some eleven years ago, now our friends gave us the whole of the West Wing. We were like, we're confused. Surely we'll be busy new parents. One of our feet, they were like, you'll be sitting on your ass for hours and hours and hours. Have something to watch, and they were right. We did watch most of the West Wing. So you could. I mean, I've got a box set right here. You just say the word, girl, and I'm sending it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm fully invested in the plots just okay. from listening to the podcast. You want to so, know what happens, right? I absolutely do, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. I believe you're going to sing us out with your version of the theme tune. Yes. Exciting. I wonder if your child will respond favourably when they're born to the sound of you singing that as way theme tune. <laughs> I'm guessing probably, yes. I think it'll make him or her a lot cleverer than they otherwise would have been. <laughs> Thank you for coming. And Jen... Thank you for being always there. Thank you. Saxophones, bollocks. Saxophones, some joyful saxophones are used to ram the point home. Jack's not drinking. Oh wait, I spoke too soon We're in another room And it is filled with booze And this clearly won't end well Oh, hello you. My name's Tom Price. Hello, I'm Dave Cribb. You should come and join us every day. We do a podcast called Cabin Fever, where we talk to loads of comedians who've had to cancel everything else in their lives. So they come on our podcast instead, don't they, Dave? Yeah, it's an isolation podcast. Uh, it's Dave, were you yawning at the start of that sentence then? Was it just a little yawn? <laughs> yeah, it's basically the Great Big Owl isolation podcast. We'll have people on from all our podcasts, from your Rule of Threes, your Brian and Rogers, your musicals, your bitchins. If you like any of our podcasts, if you like any of those people, chances are they'll be logging onto the Zoom call and just chatting because, let's face it, they got nothing else to do. Also, there'll be a quiz on the bill. All right, see you soon. Lots of love. Cabin F-E-A-3709. Oh, 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 that's our Twitter name.